0: Most of us can't imagine what it would have been like to walk and talk with Jesus as he made his way across Galilee. If we could have been there, we would have seen him heal the sick, feed hundreds with a small boy's lunch, uh, calm the stormy seas, walk on the water, uh, heal all that came to him sick, and even raise the dead. We surely would have been uh, amazed as we heard him teach deep truths and even after the teaching that we could sit and ask him all sorts of questions about what he taught and what it would mean. Well, the disciples saw all of this and it's very interesting that they didn't clamor, Lord, teach us how to heal the sick or multiply the food and feed the hungry teach us how to do a miracle. Instead, what captured their attention was hearing Jesus pray. He was praying in a certain place, and they were just amazed at him one more time. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is very interesting because these weren't lightweight prayers, these disciples. They had—they were Jews, and they had raised in the synagogue praying the, Jew, the Jewish prayers, and the Old Testament is full of wonderful prayers, but they had never heard anything like this. And so they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Uh, they knew there was something different about the way Jesus prayed, and they wanted to know how. And so they ask him. And Jesus was delighted, I'm sure, that they ask him to teach them how to pray, even as he is delighted when we ask him to teach us how to grow spiritually. When I was growing up in the church and struggling to be faithful in prayer, I was taught over and over again that you, prayer is simple. You should pray a lot. Well, what is prayer? Well, it's simply talking with God. And that's true. It is. God wants us to talk to him all day long, but there are many ways that we can pray. And Jesus introduced his followers here into a doorway of prayer, a doorway opening a much deeper relationship with him uh, than some of the ways we prayed. He talked about a type of prayer where you can go and be alone. Before he gave us the Lord's Prayer, he was saying, go shut yourself in a closet, go alone with God, and focus only on Him, and just be real with Him. And he said, I'll give you a model how to structure your prayers, and it'll be a deeper way, the perfect way, a meaningful way that you can pray. And maybe your prayer has grown cold, and maybe you're looking for a more desirable, deeper prayer life. I've been longing for that. I love to pray, but I always want to grow in the ways that I pray. And I've been, I offer humbly to you today what God has been showing me as I've tried to understand the Lord's Prayer in a little deeper way because most of my prayers or in the past were just seeking the comfort and peace of God for myself or another person. And I'm sure I'll still do that, I still do it, but I'm also trying to pray a deeper way, uh, the Jesus way. Um, and I think the, the model just, tr- uh, in my feeble attempts to follow the model of the Lord's Prayer Uh, It's had a big effect on my life already, and it's affected the nitty-gritty and this daily rustling with God about unanswered prayers that I had been experiencing most of my life. If you're like I am, you often have said the Lord's Prayer throughout maybe your life if you've been in the church, Uh, but almost without really sensing or thinking very much about the depth of what Jesus is revealing on how to pray. So I'm sharing my thoughts, and I can only take you so far because I have only gone a little way myself with this. But in our Christian walk, we always, uh, our reach should always exceed our grasp. And our reach should always exceed our grasp. So in meditating and praying, I found more peace and joy in my prayer, and it has helped me to trust God a little more and to really begin to try to grasp and believe that his way is better than my way in answered prayer. I'm sure you've noticed that there are two parts of the Lord's Prayer. The first part, verses nine and 10, has three petitions. And the second part, 11 and 13, has three petitions. And Jesus really has instructed us to pray in that order. If you're like I am, you pray the most fervent prayers when I have a need, a concern, a pain, a problem, an issue with my own life that I can't solve or the life of someone I care about. And I pray for exactly what I think is best, what's on my heart, what I think God should accomplish. And my eagerness to get to that issue that's on my mind, I often skip over the First, three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, and just go right to the need. And Jesus said, if you want to pray like I pray, begin the prayer by remembering and honoring who God is. Often we search for just the right words or develop the right method to get what we want in prayer, to get our prayers answered. And when we do that, it's called religion, not relationship. God wants a relationship with us, not to just teach us a method. And the Lord's Prayer is not a method to get what we want, but it's a a way to deepen our relationship with God and expand our view of how great God's plan is. First, we know our Father who art in heaven. We pray to a Father who is high above us, who is holy, who is perfect, who is filled with light, a powerful father who created this whole universe. And the true translation is our father who fills the heavens, not a more accurate translation. It's not our father who art in heaven, but our father who fills the heavens. And this, the Bible uses the words heavens not just for where God dwells, but in Scripture... It refers to the heavens in three ways. The immediate realm we're in, the second realm is outer space, the sun, the moon, the stars. And then the third realm is God's home. And this, the Lord's Prayer tells us our Father does not just dwell where he lives, but he fills all the heavens. And he's a father who deserves to be uniquely respected, treasured, love more than any other, a father who existed and ruled the world before I was born, before you were born, and he'll be here after we're gone. A big eternal God, a God of all the heavens, who's invited us to call him Father. He's invited us into his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, and he loves us, and he always has our best interest at heart. And he's intimate, tender, caring, but a father who has all authority over everything. And to stop and to think about that. The next petition is How would be thy name? Martin Luther said we need to warm our hearts before we go to prayer, and that's often true. Our minds go in a million different directions. So how do we do that? Well, we all find our way. Some bow humbly before an altar or kneel down. Some lie flat on their face before the cross or they stand with their arms spread out or cry holy, holy, holy or just stop and remember what God has done for you. Just begin to praise him. Worshipful music is a way to escape many of the thoughts that invade our minds. We all find our own way to fix our minds on God and orient the world around him, not us. We stand before God like an adoring child, and this takes a remembrance of his faithfulness and his, gratefulness and his greatness, and that is really worship. Then Jesus tells us to cry out to God, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And Jesus said, before you get to your own agenda, let's stop and think how great God is and how holy he is and surrender to him and surrender control of our little kingdom, our little world, our strong wills, our desires. And often we jump ahead and try to convince him to come into our kingdom. We don't want to go into his. We say, Uh, Come into my kingdom and do my will. And he wants us to trust him and be more committed to his will than our will. And he wants to give us the very best. And he knows what's best. We don't. He also knows who we are, though, and what we want. And we must trust his sovereignty. And the prayer is, Oh, Father, I want to live in your will, make a difference in your kingdom. And the kingdom, which is eternal and existed before me and will be here after me. And I only see this much of life. You see the big picture. And so we talk and listen to God to see what we can do together, be part of the same team to make his kingdom visible here on earth when we humbly humbly put ourselves under his lordship in prayer, his sovereignty, you know, we are immediately rewarded without even the prayer being answered because we receive his peace and a certainty that whatever happens, it's going to be all right in life because he loves us and he can see the big picture. Then we're ready to get to us for the needs that we've been wanting to, that that we want to be met in our own lives. And we have a different attitude about that. So the first one is give us this daily bread, our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, This is our earthly provision and recognition of who he is and in recognition that we're totally dependent upon him for our daily provisions. Daily bread comes from him, and our fear, our unbelief, our entitlement is suddenly replaced by gratitude. And we recognize and remember we didn't earn all this. He gave us the ability, the very breath of life and the very day to do the things that we do in the abilities. He's provided our lives and our daily bread through his goodness and his grace and he's present today, and he provides today what we need today. He, we can't get the assurance of what he's going to give us tomorrow because he's the eternal now God. God is present in the now. And then the hard part. <laughs> we pray, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is the rec- recognition of his grace, his holiness, the perfectness, uh, of who he is, and that causes us, along with the worship, to really know who who we are and to remember we are imperfect. We are sinners. We are saved by his grace. And then in Lamentations 3.22, we're told it is only God's mercies that keep us from being consumed because of our sin, and he remembers that we are dust. Our sin is so great, if it was not for his mercy, we would all destroy ourselves. But he remembers that we are but dust. So we just stay on our knees until we uh, know that we are forgiven. Sometimes that takes time. And then because we sense his great grace, we can extend forgiveness to all those around us who are imperfect as we are. I don't think it's psychologically possible for us to know God's grace, truly know God's grace, and we can know about it, but if we really know it in our own lives, and the forgiveness, it's really almost impossible to be hard-hearted toward others. The other day I was really mad and unhappy at something someone close to me had done, and and I felt my heart getting hard and and my spirit becoming judgmental, And suddenly the thought came to me, and I think it was God, where would you be without my forgiveness? Can't you extend a little of yours? And so as we receive the forgiveness, we can extend that in the same manner God has forgiven us to others. Then as repentant people, we can pray, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Someone said God doesn't have to lead us into temptation. We know how to find that ourselves. Uh, But he said, deliver us from evil. And this can be translated, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one who's behind all evil. And this means that God, you are my father and I'm in your kingdom. I want to do your will. It doesn't mean that oh, God, forgive me, I can just ask, and you forgive me, and I can go out and do the same thing over and over again. We're not emptying our sin bucket so we can fill it again because we know we can be forgiven. That's called cheap grace. And there's nothing cheap about the kingdom we live in as Christ follows us. Christ gave his life for our sins. And also, uh, uh, the trials and tests of life can really tempt us to sin. And this prayer acknowledges the feebleness of our human nature, and it gives us a no confidence in our own abilities, because through any trial or test, God gives us a continuous provision for every need, no matter how dire. You must have seen that. He doesn't maybe take away the problems, but he puts the right people and the right things and the right encouragement to help us through. And so we end the prayer with, Thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. And this is not in the original manuscripts, but it's a great addition because it declares how, to whom, and why we're praying. We're saying, God, you're great. You're all powerful. I surrender And I declare my dependency upon you. You have it all and the more I surrender to you, the more I want what you want. And the ending statement declares that God Almighty has invited you to call him father and he knows what you need before you ask. And forever and ever that is true. This model that Jesus taught us works because it moves us to a place where we know we're not God and we're unable to see what God is doing in the broader context of the kingdom to which we belong and in which we serve. And it leads us to a place of worship, provision, forgiveness, protection, to a place where we can say, God, you know what is best. Whatever it takes to accomplish your will, amen. This is the place of purpose, peace, and answered prayers. And none of us do it perfectly. And like I said, it's, it's difficult, and I think it's a, the discipline of prayer, but there are many ways to pray. But this prayer teaches us the foundation of the praying life and our attitudes about God and our life here. And it's an enduring framework for praying. Uh, Dallas Willard is a resource I've used a lot for this message. And he has a beautiful translation of the Lord's Prayer. I would just like to end with that. Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth, just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today. And forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad because we know you are the one in charge. And you have all the power and all the glory is yours forever, which is just the way we want it. And if your nerves can take it, you might occasionally say, whoopee. I just imagine God himself would not mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, we ask you to continually reveal to us the power of this prayer, not only prayed but lived in our daily lives. We know it's life, and we thank you for it. And in your name we pray, amen.